Okay, so it's me. I'm back from Mexico. I'm kind of tired. I've decided to pour myself a very heavy Jack and Coke, because that's who I am now. You know, strong, silent type. Only drink whiskey. Tough ass. Let my beard grow in, kind of bristly. Squinting. Wearing a Canadian tuxedo. If you know what I mean. If you don't know what I mean, that means a denim shirt and, you know, denim denim pants, really. Yeah. So I did something really stupid today. Uh, I went to Indigo, you know. I guess, do you have chapters in America? I don't care. You guys, you know what? Fucking figure it out. I'm not your goddamn tour guide. So I went to chapters slash indigo, indigo slash chapters. It's a bookstore. I went to a bookstore and uh, bought some gifts for my friend's kid. She's turning two. Went in there. I got what I wanted. They wrapped it up. And of course, Malcolm wants to play with the Lego. And Malcolm has a wonderful habit of taking a massive dump between 2.30 and 3 p.m. And he's just like his mama in the sense that as soon as he goes into a bookstore and there's something to read, yeah, it it becomes a pressing issue. And at least he can shit in his pants because I had to take a shit the entire time I was walking around there. And the more I read, the more I had to shit. And I knew I wasn't going to shit at the fucking bookstore. No George Costanza here. Mm -mm, no, I was waiting until I got to my mom's house for sure. So now Malcolm's taking a big stinky shit. I've gotten all the books I needed. I'm heading out the door and I go to my car and I pop the hatch in the trunk. I look in the trunk. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I don't have two strollers. I'm like, wait a minute. My trunk's not this clean. Thought, well, that's fucking weird. What's going on here? And then I slam the trunk lid and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't have a decorative thing around my license plate. And I was like, wait a minute. That's not my license plate. And I thought, wait a minute, this car's running. And I look up through the, <laughs> through the back window and I see a very curlied, a very curly haired head peering at me through the rear view. And I thought, oh my God. So I hung my head in shame <laughs> and she opens her car door and I thought, please, Jesus, don't let me get punched in the face right now. And she looks at me, you know. I, I, I try to imagine the situation from her point of view. She's sitting in her car with the air conditioning running with her two kids in the back seat, minding her own business. And then fucking <laughs> some crazy, I think woman, at least half woman, uh, opens my trunk. Okay. And, you know, I looked in her trunk for, I think probably... Literally about seven seconds before I, f I was like, well, that's really weird. I'm like, I don't remember. Hmm. Yeah. My trunk is way dirtier than this. And I was like, huh. Close the lid. I'm like, hmm. Did I park here? Why is this car running? I thought, how can this, what? It literally took me between 15 and 20 seconds to figure out the problem. You know, God, I wish I was, I wish if I was going to be this dumb, I wish I could at least be good looking and dumb, you know, because like from her perspective, I'm carjacking her, rifling through her things in the middle of a fucking parking lot where they sell kids books. Like, I wonder what the fuck she was thinking. So she opens the door and she peeks her curly haired head out and she looks at me and I'm like, um, I'm really sorry. I, I have the exact same car 
And she starts laughing, thank God. And she's like, yeah, oh, is that your car over there? And I was like, yes, that is my car. That is my car. Yeah, I'm really sorry. Like, I, I'm really sorry. And she just laughed and uh, she went to go close the door. And I was like, hey, now we both have a crazy parking lot story. Isn't that, fu- isn't that funny? And she's just smiling. And I was like, oh, thank God you didn't want to punch me in the face. What a fucking moron I am. Like your, your heroine here is a fucking idiot. Like I, I don't even know how I live sometimes. I don't even know. I guess I was so like, okay, next step. We've got to get Malcolm, change his shitty ass diaper, get that all figured out, put the toys away, put the books away, get him in the car and go to my mom's. Then after, like, I've got my, I'm thinking of like 10 steps ahead and so much so that I don't even realize when I'm trying to steal someone else's stuff or get into someone else's car. Like, that's not spazzy jazzy. I don't know what it is. Holy fuck. And then in that vein, this reminds me of another story in kind of a similar, similar situation. It was at Christmas time. We're parked in front of a place downtown called Thomas and Hines. It's a tobacconist, you know, for people who like a nice cigar, perhaps some pipe tobacco. And it's downtown. And usually downtown brings to mind a little bit of sketchiness, but usually not during the day, right? Like that's a bit of a stretch. So we're sitting there, I'm in the backseat with Malcolm and Sarah is driving. And we see a rather thin, you know, gentleman, well coiffed, one would say, holding a Yorkshire Terrier. And he's walking around and then he's walking around the car and then he puts his hand on the car door and then he opens the door and proceeds to sit in Sarah's car. And Sarah's like, whoa, 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 buddy. And by this time... You know, he sat down, he's made himself comfortable, he's turning around to reach for the seatbelt. And then Sarah's like, you know, nose to nose with him because you're in a car, like there's a two feet expanse. And she's like, uh, I don't know you. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I thought you were my friend. And she's like, no, no, not your friend. No. And he's like, I'm so sorry. And he gets up. And he slams the door and sure enough, right behind us is another Honda Civic. Not the exact same color. It was brown, but the same, same fucking car. It's like, what the hell is going on? At least I'm not the only idiot, you know, but in my defense, we were driving the exact same uh, Nissan, the exact same shade of blue, just two different spots, two different spots. Yeah, really weird. I'm an idiot. That's, you can't justify stupidity like that. Yeah, so that's, uh. Well, you're pretty well up to speed then. See ya. <laughs> just kidding. There's so much more. There's so much more. That just happened today. That just happened today. I'm going to have a sip of my whiskey. I'll, I'm supposed to be strong and silent, though. Maybe I'll just be strong. I'll just be, be tough. Well, there was some silence while I drank that, so that's good. Okay. So when I last left you guys, I think... Had we gone strawberry picking? Did I tell you about how I spent... Uh, my very hungover Saturday morning, like a migrant worker. I think I told you about that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. And sometime between the last show and this show, a lot of shit happened. I went shopping. I did not buy the tuxedo t-shirt of my dreams because, well, I just didn't. I wanted to. And I still can. I'm fucking calling that shit in. But I bought a stupid navy blue button up woman's shirt and it hurt. And I covered that too last time, I think. Yeah, because I was an extra large. Right, 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 right. Okay, so we've covered that. Now I try it on for Sarah when we get home, which I don't think I covered, but I might have, I'm not sure. And she's like, aren't you going to be uncomfortable in that? 
And then I turned around and gave her one of these. And uh, if you were a civilized human being, I think you'd be able to use your words. I think my toddler would have done a better job at expressing himself than I did in that situation. But it just everything kind of accumulated. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't want to do this. And yeah, I don't want to go to this stupid fucking wedding. I made the mistake of saying that last part out loud. And then uh, Malcolm started walking around going, I don't want to go to the stupid futting wedding either. I'm not going to the stupid futting wedding. And I was like, okay, all right, look. <laughs> okay, hey, let's just uh, regroup here. I actually had a bit of a fit and I'm an adult and I felt kind of bad about it. But my kid's swearing. I guess I should be kind of, you know, like concerned or ashamed about that. Meh. Uh, Sarah was very concerned and ashamed about it, but I kind of thought it was funny, which is bad parenting. You don't want to. You don't want to be happy about that. Okay, so we did that. I went out and I bought black, plain Converse runners, chucks. They call them chucks, maybe? Yeah. So I just bought plain black chucks and I wore black pants. And I don't get the sizing at at Tommy, okay? Because, like, yeah, the shirts are, like, I'm a double XL or an XL or whatever. But my pants, I was, like, a 10. The fuck do you do the math on that one? Although, you know what? Maybe the difference is that I went under the belly instead of across the belly. Because men go under the belly and women go over. But I went under. So maybe... Anyway. I'm not a mathematician here. I don't, I don't size pants. God, why am I getting so angry? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so I bought the pants. I got my shoes. We got Malcolm all set up. Now comes the morning of the wedding. Everything's going along. Malcolm has a nice, great big nap. We head out. I think the wedding started at five. We got there with time to spare. There's mosquitoes fucking everywhere. Oh, wait, I forgot to tell you about the barbecue. Hold on. Hold the phone here, everybody. Let's put this shit on pause for a second here. So Friday night, I completely forgot about this. I can't believe it. Friday night, uh, Sarah's parents had a barbecue. They threw a barbecue, a tremendously nice meal, tons of alcohol. And it was kind of for like the bridesmaids and the groomsmen and Sarah's half of the family. To just, you know, because they hadn't been to Winnipeg in a long time. The majority of them were from Saskatoon and the others were from Calgary. Because that's where Sarah's brother lives now is Calgary. And uh, yeah, they all came. And I got to tell you, the first hour uh, felt weird. Uh, I don't I don't know. I was just kind of avoiding being introduced to people. Um, I tend to do that. I just don't. I just feel like people are looking at me and I don't like people looking at me. People listening to me, whole nother matter but I just felt weird. It was like, ugh. And then to be introduced to people, I don't know what it is, but it just, like, I'm gay. I'm out there. I'm proud. You know, I don't hide usually, but sometimes I hide and I just want to die. So I got introduced. This is such and such Sarah's partner. This is their son, Malcolm. And I was like, hi, hey, yeah, I eat pussy. I'm really sorry. Does that weird you out? Does that weird you out? Yeah. Okay. You want to kiss? No? Okay. Inappropriate? Right. Okay. Good. 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 That's basically how Friday went. So it was nice. Her family was very nice. I kind of got a little bit too drunk. I slurred my words here and there, but uh, it went okay. I had some supper, sobered up. Sarah's mom made Saskatoon berry pie, which is my very favorite pie in the whole wide world. And if you haven't had it, I'm so sorry for you. It's a taste sensation. The best pie ever. A little bit of ice cream. Oh my God. So good. So 
there's that. That was pretty uneventful. I, gotta, I guess I could have just left that part out, but then, you know, we wouldn't have spent these last minute and 45 seconds together. And I need you. I need you bad. I need you broke back mountain bad. That's bad. Okay. So the wedding comes along. And I may remember things here and there, because of course I didn't take any notes, and I'm kind of dumb. So it'll be helter-skelter and kind of all over there. All over the place. Sorry. Okay, now we're out of town. I'm in my men's shirt. And... We're there. There's mosquitoes everywhere. And they provided bug spray. It was really cordial. And Malcolm had an obsession with ice. He had it on Friday night and he sure as fuck had it on Saturday. Like he would just, he would just buy the coolers and wherever there was beer and ice, he would grab a piece in each hand and hold them and he'd hold them and hold them until they melted and they were all gone. And then he'd go back for two more. And he did that on, on the wedding day too. Like, what the fuck? Like, what, what's your fascination with that? And it hurts. You ever try to hold ice for like a minute straight? It hurts. It numbs your hands. Okay. So then they had the wedding. I loved the wedding. It was fast. Do you? Uh-huh. Do you? Yeah. Boom. Dunsies. It was like seriously a four minute ceremony. Perfect. Beautiful. Loved it. And then they wanted to do a big shot, like of every, all of the guests, like the photographer went up to the deck and wanted to take an aerial shot of everyone. And I, of course, hid behind the tallest man I could possibly find. That was just my, my, I don't like taking, I don't like having my picture taken. I'm, I'm hideous. You know, we don't, we don't need to capture that. Not with an HD camera. It's not necessary. So I hid behind the guy and Sarah's brother's Roger's like, hey, and he's looking for me and he's calling me and I'm hiding behind the skinny guy. And then the skinny guy moved and I didn't shuffle fast enough. He's like, hey, come up here with us. And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. No, don't like it. No no, come on. I'm like, no, no, I'm okay. Cause he's Mr. You know, like come with us. Welcome home, Mr. Family guy. And I'm just like, mm, I'm okay. And of course the fucking photographer is Mr. Comedian. Oh, is it raining out here? Hang on. Let me take a couple more shots. Okay. Five, four. And it's like, okay, you know, look around. These women have done their makeup. They've done their hair. I of course haven't cause I'm half a man, but look around. People have put an effort here, you know, $50 hairdos sitting around this whole fucking audience. Could you just speed it the fuck up? Like, I had my side ponytail. Do you think that was easy? Took a lot of gel, have you know. So then that's done. And then all of a sudden, it's uh, it's time to take family photos. And Sarah's like, oh, okay, well, we're just going to take pictures with Malcolm and stuff. She's like, you have to take the pictures with us. And I said, no, I do not. And she's like, it's family photos. You have to be in the family photos. And I said, no, I do not. And uh, I proceeded to run away. Because whenever there's conflict, just turn around and run away. It worked for Forrest Gump. Worked for me too. I just fucking bolted. I was like, well, good luck dragging me out of this fucking tent. So then they took their pictures. And I hid in the tent and started drinking. Now, now the bride and groom have come in. They sat down and it's time for the speeches. Why, why do they roast the bride and groom now? Is that a new thing? I haven't been to weddings in a really long time. But do you think... Do you think that's a common thing, roasting them? Because, oh, they got roasted. Well, Sarah's brother got roasted really bad. Really bad. So he had his one friend be the MC, did a great job. Really entertaining, funny, quick-witted. Really good. And he had his friend, his other friend, also, also some kind of brown. I'm not sure what kind of brown they both were. Maybe one was East Indian and the other one was another brown. I don't know. And so he gets up and he stands there and starts making a joke about how Sarah's brother has finally made a commitment to something and followed it through and stuck it out. And I thought that was pretty funny. 
and then he goes into the roast. Okay, so keep in mind that Sarah's family is really educated and dignified and just generally speaking, good, kind people. Everyone in Sarah's family, especially her parents, especially her parents. So the guy gets up and he starts joking around about how he's finally committed to something. And then come the stories. And the first story is how Sarah's brother um, had to go to the bathroom at a restaurant. And he says, well, did he get up and use the bathroom? No. He peed under the table. And everyone's like, ha, 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 whoo. And he's like, oh, I can't mention the name because of the legalities of the situation. But yeah, he peed under a table. Ha, 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 ha. And then uh, the next story was how um, Sarah's brother t- took a globe that this brown guy had used to spruce up their tiny little Tokyo apartment, like tiny, tiny, tiny little apartment. And they were drinking and he set the globe on fire, threw it off the balcony and then proceeded to pee on the globe that was on fire. And the big joke was that Sarah's brother said, I'm pissing on your world. I'm pissing on your world. That was the second story. Do you see a theme? Yeah. Wait till you hear this last part. The third story is a doozy. Uh, The third story is that they're drinking again common theme with this urination and everything makes sense to me and they they're at a hotel and uh sarah's brother has to pee so where does he pee do you think in a hotel where would he pee in the hallway that's what i thought he did down the stairs mm-hmm. another possibility huh. down a vent maybe nope not that one either got a guess That's right. That's right. He lifted the lid to the ice machine and peed all over the ice, all over the ice. And then the the guy making the speech, like, keep in mind, at the first one, Sarah's mom is like, at the second story, she's just kind of like in absolute shock. Like Sarah's mom doesn't make a lot of faces like her calm face, her alarmed face and her angry face are all just about the same face, except in this instant. In this instance, she she had a real mad face. And uh, through the corner of my eye, I saw her doing the throat slash thing. Like, that's enough. Stop now. My entire fucking family he- is here. You are ruining my son's wedding. Like that kind of, you know, that kind of deal there. Like that kind of um, motion, perhaps. And he just kept talking about how countless families and children had in one way or another ingested Sarah's brother's urine. And I was just like, I could not stop laughing. I know, but I am exactly the audience for that stupid frat boy, frat boy humor. And he wasn't my brother, so I didn't give a shit. It wasn't my family. Uh, yeah. So there's that. Okay. Okay. Now I got the real stories behind the scenes uh, in Mexico. And apparently what happened was... Um, the first story was a dare they were filming a video or something i don't remember what it was for something for school it was a dare so he was dared and you know the rules up dares you've got to do it put up or shut up right and then the second one he said the real story was that uh this brown man his buddy 
gave him like a crazy wedgie and it ripped his underwear right off his body. So he took the underwear, lit that on fire and threw that off the balcony. So Sarah's brother in, in retaliation knew how much he loved this globe, put lighter fluid all over it, set it on fire, threw it off the balcony and then peed on it. So that's the whole story there. And then as far as the uh, ice machine goes, he said that they were up there macking on some girls and they didn't, you needed a swipe card to use the elevator to get back downstairs and they didn't have one and he was going to piss his pants and he peed beside the ice machine. Although he said that when he would party with the commerce guys in university, they would pee in the ice machine. In it. Okay. I, you know, I have enough fucking problems when I go to hotels. This, honestly, this thought did not ever occur to me that someone might have urinated into the ice. And now, thank God, you put a bucket under and push a button. So there's no open access to any big tubs full of ice. But fuck, that would have never occurred to me that I shouldn't use the ice because someone might have peed in it. Although I do have this weird thing that happens to me when I stay in hotel rooms. I don't know if any of you have seen Hannibal, but the detective in that, in that TV show, I've only seen like an episode and a half. He's able to go to a crime scene and he kind of has these weird like visions of how the crime might've been committed. Like it's like he can see how it would have occurred and everything. And I feel like when I go into hotel rooms, I can see where I think the semen would be. Like, for example, when we were in Mexico, when we finally got there, we were in the bathroom and in the shower, there's like a little seat and I would never sit on that seat. You, you couldn't pay me enough money to sit on that seat. There have been a lot of hairy ass cracks and balls pressed against that cold marble seat. And there have been a lot of girls giving gross men blowjobs on that seat. I know it. I fucking know it. I can just see the beads of water bouncing off their backs while they're doing it. It just sickened me. It just sickened me. But somehow I didn't see the ice machine thing coming. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. So that was that. And I got to tell you, the bride had some colorful friends. She had some really interesting friends. I wasn't able to get drunk that night. Oh, I tried. Yeah, I really, really tried to get drunk. I did. Didn't work out. I had drank so much the night before and gotten so drunk in such a short time period and was so tired the next day. It just wasn't happening for me. But it was an, an excellent opportunity to people watch. I looked around. Uh, we nicknamed one of Sarah, um, sorry, one of the bride's friends, Oi, because when they were trying to get everyone's attention to let the bride and groom come in, she was like, hey, sit down, shut up, but like deafening, like deafeningly loud. So I'm like, I'm going to keep an eye on her. And she was one of the first to go down. She was one of the first to get like out of hand because uh, we're in a tent. It's an outdoor wedding. And what holds up tents? Poles hold up tents. So she's kind of dancing around and whatever, you know, I'm not here to judge anyone. I'm not, I'm just going to leave it up to your imagination. But the bride had to say to her, get off the pole. And she objected. And the bride had to say, stay off the pole. Okay. Leave it at that. I'll let you figure that one out. And then there was another woman that I had my eye on for some time. I noticed her at the actual wedding ceremony, which wasn't like, it was just like a 20, uh, 20 or sorry, like a 200 foot walk to the, from the tent to the ceremony. And I noticed her. Uh, it's hard not to notice someone who's wearing a dress barely long enough to cover their labia. Tricky. So I, I kind of looked, I looked, I mean, she wants to be looked at, I think. And I wasn't like leering or anything. But I was glancing because I was, you know, a rather rugged woman in a men's shirt at a 
straight wedding. Actually, I'm pretty sure everybody fucking knew who we were. And I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so I wasn't leering, but I was looking. And she was like the skinny fat. Is that a Rana and Beverly term? Skinny fat? Shit, it might be. Anyway, it fits this, it fits this woman. Because she was very thin. Very, very slight. Very tiny. But what there was of her, it wasn't like sinewy. It was like kind of chubby. You know, like, do you know what I mean by skinny fat? It's like she's got, she had these skinny little legs, but they were all cellulite And she was tanned a lot. Like if there's that sign in Winnipeg, if you can't tone it, tan it. And she did. She did. So she's wearing this tiny little animal print dress. Of course, what else would be, what else would the print be, you know? And these big heels. And uh, I knew this was going to be fucking trouble. And she's on the dance floor later on that night. She's had a few too many drinks. And she's starting to do the stripper two-step. Do you know what I mean by stripper two-step? Have you seen strippers a lot? I have. Well, in my leaner, meaner days, I have. They kind of get on the stage, and there's not an ample... Like, there's not, like, an acreage for her to, you know, bounce around on. They have a very minimal stage. And I don't think any of them can really dance, and they're really wearing, like, huge shoes. So my theory is they kind of do, like, a little shuffle two-step. I'm shuffling with my fingers, like you can see me. But they go step, 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 pause. You know what I mean? Like, they just kind of walk a little bit. And then they walk backwards. And she had the the, stipper, the stripper two-step down. Down pat. I'm watching her. She's shuffling around like that. And I was like, fuck, I wonder if she was ever a stripper. And I asked around and she wasn't. But wouldn't it be a great story if she was? But she wasn't. Bitch. She couldn't even do that right. And the night's progressing. And she's dancing with a little girl. And spinning her around. You know, being the drunk mom at, at the wedding. And then... The bride comes over, she sits with me, she's asking me if I'm enjoying myself, I certainly am. And uh, we look up, and this woman in the too small dress with the big lucite heels falls on the toddler. <laughs> ah, she just crushed her. Like, I don't know how that kid's alive. I hope she doesn't have brain damage, but she crushed that little kid. So then the bride gets up and she's, she mouths at me, what the fuck? And I'm like, I don't know. These are your fucking friends, not mine. I don't know. So she goes over there, picks this girl up, helps her pull her skirt down. Cause she fucking showed her, her underwear and her like, her like crotch to the world. I don't, I think she was wearing underwear. I don't know if it was full bottom, but it was like, she fell. And then when she went to get up, she was like spread Eagle. She had like spread her one leg really far, almost like a stripper would. Maybe she was a stripper. Maybe she stripped to, you know, get through university. It's not far-fetched. So that was awesome. Those were those were my highlights, I think, for the wedding. Let me just double check. Okay, yep, 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 yep. Okay, yeah, I think that's it. Let's listen to somebody else talk for a while. I'm kind of sick of me. Ugh, I need a break from myself. All day, every day. Hey, Sandra, it's Kendra again. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a side trip here. Um... So I can uh, rant about how I have the worst luck in the world. Um, but first, I'm going to uh, address the um, comments from the last podcast. First off, when you play my two segments together, you can totally tell which one I'd had a few and which one I did relatively sober. Um, <laughs> that was real nice of you. Uh, anyways, regarding the dating thing with a little kid... Um, yeah, it's pretty much impossible. Nice to hear that you'd like to spoon me. Um, that doesn't happen very often in my house... Um, we, uh, most lesbians don't seem to want to deal with the child. Um, part of it could be the age thing. He is seven. Um, 
I don't know, you take a trip to Walmart and you see what some kids do, and yeah, I can see why you'd want to run. Um, but he's actually, he's a pretty awesome kid. Uh, doesn't really cause any problems. Doesn't really, I never have to yell at him or anything. He listens, he does what he's told and whatnot. He's got kind of lucky there. Um, anyways, but yeah, my, what I've realized since bringing him home is that there's a three date rule. So it's the first date where, you know, it's like a job interview. Second date where they're all in. Yeah, 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 we should be able to do this. And third date where they've thought about it a little more and then they, they never call again. Um, so that's basically how it seems to work, um, in my experience. Uh, so yeah, not very many dates here. And, uh, that's the one drawback to this adoption is life is, can be a little lonely. Anyways, not real sure how to fix that. Um, too bad that sugar is straight. Cause I tell you, she sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. So, um, getting back to my terrible luck. Um, anything I try and do that's like a big... Um, event in my life generally seems to go poorly um, it all tends to work out in the end but it never goes well or smoothly the whole way through so um, take a few years back uh, actually right around the time I started the adoption I decided I needed one big trip before I adopted my child so um, I went to southern Africa um, on a camping tour um, five weeks it was great I went by myself I just met people on the tour we had an awesome time um, Except it was two weeks, I got back two weeks before I moved into my new house. And while I was in Africa, my bank card was um, compromised. And some South African little dude is pretty happy because he emptied my bank account and my credit card uh, to the to about $10,000 that uh, the bank owed me back in the end. So it worked out. I got the money back. But of course, a lot of stress in the process. You know, skip ahead to the adoption. Well, you can already see how this is going south. I'll get back to that story in the next segment. And now um, we are actually moving. We live in a small town. We're moving to a larger city in the area. Um, downsizing our house, basically a fresh start. I want to have more money to be able to take my son out to do things. Uh, we're fairly active people. And uh, yeah, so I found a brand new townhouse development. Really like the whole concept of the development. And wouldn't you know it, yesterday morning, we're six weeks from moving in. Um, the damn thing uh, burned down. Uh, we don't know if it's suspicious or not, but the whole freaking house is leveled. Um, we were in the framing at the end of the framing stages, so it went up like a matchstick, and there is absolutely nothing left of our house. Uh, we've sold the current house last week, so now we are about to be homeless in six weeks. Fan-freaking-tastic. Um, so yeah, I haven't heard from the builder yet. Uh, they got a lot going on too. Don't really know if I'm going to get any assistance from them. Don't really know where I'm going to rent. Don't really know what I'm going to do with all our furniture if we rent. Um, don't really know about the, my child's school because finding a rental in his school district and the city might be a little tricky. Oh my gosh. So anyways, that's how, uh, that's how life goes around here. Lots of fun. Never, nothing ever goes well. And uh, who knows, hopefully in a year from now, we'll finally be in our new house, um, which was all supposed to be a nice fresh start for us. And now is all muddled up and screwed up again. So anyways, um, yeah, I'll continue on the adoption story on the next segment. All right. Bye. Jesus fucking Christ, Kendra. What? That's not fair. You know what? It's somebody else's fucking turn to have some bad luck. <sighs> Seriously? Your fucking house burns down? What? What are the chances? How many how many condos are there? Do you think? 75, 80? 
and yours fucking burns down. You know why, right? Jesus hates fags. I think Dykes is under that umbrella. Repent, okay? It's your big chance. Everyone is right. Repent. Okay. Yes, yes, I will spoon you. I I don't understand why cuz like look look at the big picture, okay? Women on the whole are kind for the most part generous, nurturing, loving. These things are all supposed to be in instinctual. But like you don't want I don't understand how you can have all that coursing through your body and not not want to be around a kid. Especially a nice kid. Like, cause like a seven-year-old kid is awesome because they're not all like, you're stupid and why are you so ugly? And are you a boy? You know, they're they're at the age where they know that that's not very nice to say. Not that any of those things have happened to me. Yes, they all, they all have said to me. Everything, all of it. Okay. And uh, yeah, I don't get that. I don't get that. Plus like, aren't a lot of women who date other women, weren't they previously in relationships with men because they were like oppressed or whatever so what don't they have kids like i don't i don't get it i don't get how you couldn't like kids i guess but i guess some people don't like kids i like kids and if worse comes to worst move to winnipeg lots of shitty things happening here there's plenty of dykes that live here plenty do you like a she-man does anyone like a she-man oh i feel like a she-man Anyway, oh, this was the ba a bad night to do this. I'm just tired and kind of crampy. Got my period. Yeah, yeah, you needed to know that. Yeah. Happens to me, you're going to hear about it. Okay? It's not all funny, happy time breaking into someone else's trunk by accident. Okay? It's not all this is. This is a long-term relationship. You're going to like it. Right. And sugar is straight. I'm sorry. I know. Shocking. There's no leeway there. She's very much into, into men in a sexual, sexual way. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. All right. Now what do we do? I don't want to do this anymore. Should I just stop now? Okay, wait, 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 wait. Before I quit, uh, I wanted to talk to you guys about a theory I had. And I had a lot of time to think in Mexico. And I will get to the Mexico stuff. I will. There's a lot of stuff that happened that was kind of funny. And uh, I will get there at some point. And I, who knows? The stories may be scattered over like... A million years um the one the one thing i will kind of touch on very very quickly is uh i make poor life choices when i consume alcohol i make terrible terrible decisions and i made one of those terrible decisions on sunday night and i'm not going to get into it but i just want you to know that as of right now i'm still muttering about it because i'm so ashamed of myself i am so ashamed and I've also uh, come to the realization, not uh, on my own, no, 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 sugar. Now, while we were talking about sugar, I'm talking to her and she's like, you mumble. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, you start talking, you'll talk to me. Then you'll turn around and do whatever it is that you have to do while you're still talking. She's like, she turns right around. She's like, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Does this sound like fucking mumbling to you? And I was like, oh, like I didn't, oh. And then the next day, uh, Courtney comes by and I can't remember how the exchange went, but she made fun of me for mumbling. And I was like, okay, so then this must be a thing. Like, it must be one of those things that like, people are like, oh, they're totally not self-aware. She doesn't even know she mumbles. And I don't, I was, I am not self-aware. I had no idea I was doing that. And, uh, what's funny is I came home and I asked Sarah, I'm like, do I mumble? And she's like, well, you mutter. 
you like you talk to yourself and I'm like yeah okay yeah but do I mumble and she's like mm, sometimes and I'm like do I turn around while I'm talking to you and then talk quietly she's like yeah you do that all the time it's like oh okay well thanks fuck all you fuck you mumbler fuck it's the sound of my people right uh okay so what i wanted to talk about before i'm really like out of it right now this is not a good time i can't speak a fucking sentence i'm not there's nothing going on in my brain right now i am literally moving my lips and a sound is coming out and i don't really know how you ever do that do you know what i mean where you're just kind of talking and i'm like not even thinking i was so funny in my own brain earlier this afternoon you know right now nothing nothing at all Okay, so let's just get back to my theory for one one quick sec. My theory is that women who were previously straight and then not so straight and date women, my theory is that in most of the scenarios that I've been involved with, which isn't very many, but I'll make it I'll allude to the fact that there's hundreds of thousands of women that I could hold all at the same time in my freakishly long arms. But I did date a couple girls that had only dated guys before. And I th what I've come to figure out is that I think what happens is in that situation, right? Uh, the straight girl, well, the previously straight girl, the now not so straight girl, but probably still straight girl, uh, becomes the quote unquote man in the relationship in a sense. And let me, hang on, let me, let's talk this out. Because in the relationships that I was in with these girls, they're, I treated them how I think women treat men in heterosexual relationships. I think I may be speaking out of turn here, but when it comes to sex, it's like their orgasm and their pleasure and their happiness always came before mine. I was always like giving. And in the majority of the cases, I'm not going to specify the number because it's very small and sad, but in the majority of the cases, they did reciprocate except for one. The squirter did not reciprocate. I think in a year and a half, maybe a year and three quarters, I think I had very few orgasms, like very, very few. And, you know, I'm not one to force myself upon somebody else. I'm not going to um, ask someone to do something they don't feel comfortable doing. I won't. I didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable. And I also wanted to wait until she wanted to do it. I didn't want to... Um, put any kind of pressure on her because that's not cool no one wants to fucking deal with shit like that so I waited and I waited now imagine if you're a straight dude imagine uh having a naked girl around all the time and you're doing all kinds of crazy shit together and you never get off imagine that for a year let's just say a year and a half for a nice round number what what would you do? Like, how long would you tolerate that? Maybe Daryl will answer because he's the only one that ever fucking sends anything. But Daryl, how long would you tolerate that kind of shit? And sometimes she would, you know, start to touch the crotch of my pants. And I swear to God, I would it would have taken her 17 seconds for me to from start to finish. It would have been that fast because it had been that fucking long. So she would start and then and then and then usually in the beginning, I would be like, no, that's OK. Like, you don't have to if you don't want to. And she would stop. And then, you know, after the fucking gear mark, if she ever, ever did that, which was very fucking rare, I wouldn't stop her because I'm like, oh, please, Jesus, just, 
Just touch it for a minute. Just, just graze it. I'm pretty sure I could come right now if you just touched that little nubbin through four layers of clothing. Just please, could you just, could you blow on it? Could you just give it a little, and it would be done. It wouldn't, just please, God. Okay, all right, that got crazy, that got crazy. And I wouldn't stop her. And then she'd realize I wasn't stopping her, and then she'd stop. And I'd just look at her, and I just, there must have been fucking, I just, the rage, okay? I'm sorry. I'm usually a really calm person, but I was just like, oh, like, are you fucking kidding me? You know? And I looked at her, I'm like, I didn't say anything, but it must have been written on my face that I was, like, frustrated. And I don't think after a year and a half, it's uh, shocking, you know? I don't think it's unwarranted. And she's like, oh, I just, I don't know how to do it. And in my head, I'm screaming, you have a fucking vagina. How do you not, how do you not know how? I'll, I'll talk you through it. I, l- here, let me show you. For the love of Christ, just look at it. Could you just take a, take a gander? Look at Herve. He, she's beautiful. Ugly. Ugh. Anyway. I don't know how. You don't know how? You don't know how? Come on. So now she must be dating some guy right now, and I kind of wonder in the back of my mind how that relationship's going like do you do you think she's always receiving like do you think he just takes the vaseline into the bathroom when they're done and cries while he masturbates because she won't touch him because she quote unquote doesn't know how do you think that shit's fucking flying in that fucking relationship i don't think so i don't think so so the point being that maybe that's why they those girls got so randy because this chick holy fuck like five, six orgasms for the majority of our relationship for every sexual encounter. And it was a lot. It was like, man, like at least five times a week, sometimes like serious, like day long stretches, like seriously four or five hours at a time with like breaks for meals. It was just insane. It was just insane. Like she had a tremendous appetite, if you know what I mean, sexually, you know, if you, if you catch my drift, if you, fo- if you fo- follow my meaning here, I mean sex. Yeah. So what I, here's what I'm wondering is if men, you know, who are in relationships with women, if every once in a while, say every fifth time they reversed the roles and made the woman the center of the universe and her orgasm, the center of the universe for an entire sexual encounter. And then you, you do go jerk off in the bathroom by yourself after and let her just go to sleep. I've had this theory for a long time. I, th- I wonder if they'd be more Randy. Like, do you think they'd be more amped up for the next time? Do you think? Because I was watching that Leah Remini show or whatever. Don't judge me. I, I watched Honey Boo Boo right before that. And she was saying that having sex with her husband, it was like on her to-do list. It was like a chore. Well, that's not very fun. Does that seem fun to you? No. Seem like, like something you have to do, like go grocery shopping or whatever. Like just somebody out there, try it and see if it works. Because if you make her the center of attention, maybe two or three sexual encounters in a row, she might, she might be all over your pee-pee. You know, in no time. Or she could say something like, oh, I, I don't know how. Hey, Sandra, it's Daryl again. Thought I'd give you a break from the nipple talk and uh, discuss something else that you we have in common. And, and uh, you brought it up on a recent podcast about your kidney stone. I, too, have had kidney stones and often was curious as to whether 
it was worse than childbirth or not. But uh, so you're saying it's not as bad as childbirth. That's interesting. Uh, my experience was pretty intense. I had three attacks before I went to the hospital, in which case I thought I had like some kind of bowel obstruction or something and I was going to die. The, the, uh, just hurt so much, just writhing in the floor in pain and until finally I vomited and apparently that dislodged it as I was, it was heading down the tube from your kidneys and, uh, so it'd be all right for a day or two and then it happened again and when I finally went to the doctor, it was just right on the uh, bladder border and one more bout and the tubing was bigger from there on out so they didn't feel like it was worth uh, pursuing except they did say there was a maximum size that they thought a, a person could pass without surgery or uh, ultrasound shocking or whatever um, and that was about five millimeters or something like that and uh, so they asked me to urinate through a strainer until it passed so that they could analyze it and find out whether it was calcium oxalate which is the normal content of a, of a uh, kidney stone and I was wondering if they asked you to do that at all easier for me but um, I did just that I, I carried around a little strainer and peed through it until one day it just clunk right in there into the strainer and I sent it in and it was fine uh, it was about four by six millimeters and uh, you know a big crystal and uh, it was painful uh, I I, upon reflection, I realize now what caused it, which makes me feel, you know, you mentioned that the recurrence was about a 50% chance. Um, at the time, I was having terrible acid reflux. And uh, while I'm comfortable with uh, most over-the-counter medicines, you know, you can pretty much double them without... Uh, bad repercussions. Uh, I was taking a lot of Tums at the time for my acid reflux and it does say on the bottle, you know, only take like eight a day and I would have nights where I'd eat half a bottle. So there was just way too much calcium for my body to process and, and it caused that to happen. And, uh, I don't have that problem anymore. don't take that many Tums anymore and Hopefully, I won't have any more, because it was pretty bad. So, uh, if you have, I know you have a, a steeped tea urine, so, and you've had one before, so I encourage a lot of hydration. They also said that um, citrus seems to help dissolve them, you know, have a lot of citrus in your diet, helps neutralize that from forming a crystal, so... 
that's my uh, advice to you, and uh, be interested to hear your take on this. Thanks. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk a lot. Let's talk about kidney stones. Okay, I looked it up, and the Return to Sender show where I talk about my adventures in the hospital with all kinds of fucking irritating people was called Loose Lips Sink Ships. I highly recommend you go listen to that. And if you don't want to, let me tell you all about it. Well, not all about it, but mostly about it. Okay, what happened to me was uh, I we were out shopping for baby stuff. I was, I don't remember how far pregnant I was. Maybe six months, I think. And all of a sudden, I was just like, my vagina hurt. And it didn't hurt like, oh, my cervix is opening. It hurt like someone fucking punted me in the cunt. You know what I mean? And... Of course, we're shopping for baby stuff, and if you don't know me, you should know I don't like to shop, period, and I sure as fuck don't want to buy baby stuff, even though I'm pregnant. I didn't nest. Sarah nested. I supervised her nesting. And we're in the Baby's Arrest store, and I'm like, I got I gotta sit down. And she's like, come on. You promised we'd go, because we were on vacation together. It was our last big hurrah before the baby came. And I was like, I can't. I can't. And she's like, no, come on. And she's, I said, I'll, I'm going to sit right here in this fucking $800 glider, go find out what you want, go buy it, and then we're going home. And she said, okay, and my vagina hurt, and it hurts, and it hurts, and it didn't stop hurting. And then my back started hurting, and it made me wish just my vagina hurt, because now my vagina and my back are hurting, and I'm in a lot of pain. Like, it just, I, I was just in a tremendous amount of pain. I don't even know how to describe it. It was just really painful. It felt like my back was on fire. It was like searing, burning pain. And I didn't know what the fuck was wrong with me. And we had just finished moving a dresser up the stairs, and I thought I had pulled a muscle, and that's what really... That's what I thought it was. So I called HealthLinks. HealthLinks said, go to the hospital. I go to the hospital. Boom, right? We meet Malcolm. We meet the nurse who finger banged my Grover. And uh, there's that. But when I actually did get admitted, when they realized that something was wrong, um, they had me pee in a strainer too. And unlike my roommate, I peed in the strainer. And I removed it from the toilet because it had fucking occurred to me that I'm sharing a room with somebody. My roommate, however, left her urine in this, like, they call it, it's kind of like a top hat shaped thing. It's got a name, but she left it in the toilet every fucking time. So now I'm trying to, I'm tr I have to pee really bad because they pump you full of fluids when you've got uh, a kidney problem, right? So... I have to, I'm, I'm trying not to fucking pee my pants cause I'm full of liquid. I've got this fucking IV thing and like got to walk to the bathroom. So every fucking time I've got to go and lift her piss up and out and put it on the floor and then put my piss bucket there. Drain your piss bucket, people. Drain your fucking piss bucket. It's common sense. Like you think I want to look at your fucking piss? I want to look at my own fucking piss. And she never washed her goddamn hands. Wash your goddamn hands, animal. I can see you come out 20 seconds after you leave your fucking piss bucket in there. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with people. Okay, so I have to pee in a strainer. And I don't know what my problem is initially. They don't know what my problem is initially either. And then I pee, you pee kind of like in a through a coffee filter sieve thing in the hospital. So I peed through that, and then I looked in there. And I was like, hmm, there's a rock in there. And then I called the nurse, I'm like, there's something black in there. And she looks, and she's like, oh, kidney stones. And I was like, what? Because, like, that's an old fucking people thing, right? Kidney stones? That's an old people disease. That's not a relatively young, virile, bountiful, belly woman thing, is it? Apparently. And yeah, so I passed, I think, three or four in total, and they collected them all in a little glass jar, and she like shook it. And then I made fun of people who who took the, 
the stones home and then I kind of regretted not taking the stones so be a fun souvenir but um yeah they also the first thing they asked me was did you did you take calcium and I and I had like the tums right on my table because every time I even smelled peanut butter I'd get a fucking heartburn so yeah if you want to know how that compares to childbirth it doesn't it doesn't it's nowhere near as painful nowhere near like seriously literally I was begging for kidney stones when my labor started getting bad and then I was in that labor that st section of my labor for probably about two two and a half more hours where it's just constant pretty well constant pain maybe you'd get a minute off in between maybe maybe just maybe so yeah and then I had to push for an hour and a half so yeah I'm sorry I know it must have hurt you and I I do sympathize but um no no nowhere near nowhere near and I was I was in pain I had an attack for like three days and then it led up Saturday night and I was finally able to eat because every 15 minutes I was either going to the bathroom to throw up or I was taking a piss for three three and a half days I don't know I'm not a doctor but yeah, every 15 minutes. So no sleep, no food. And then when I finally get to the fucking hospital, they give me the morphine and then they come back in. They're like, before, sorry, they gave me a small dose of morphine. And then the doctor comes in to check if I'm fucking crazy. Except, except I had learned my lesson the first fucking time I went to the hospital and I knew that I wasn't drug seeking and I was not making any fucking jokes because nothing was funny. That's how much it hurt. It did hurt. I'll give you that. It did fucking hurt. And uh, the doctor comes in. She's like, so you feel like you need some morphine? And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. Like, do you think I'm here for fun? Like, am I just hanging out to get high on morphine? Are you fucking crazy? What is this little house in the prairie? No. Give me the fucking morphine. I'm in a lot of pain. So then she finally does. And the the relief that washes over your body when you're not in pain anymore. It had been so long. I forgot what it was like to live without pain, without having to vomit and pee and like this constant raging pain in my back. It was, it was like such a good feeling. And finally I'm like, Oh, okay. Oh, and I'm so tired. It's been literally three days since I had slept. And you know who I get for a fucking bunkie who my roommate is like some kind of 19 year old idiot and her fucking idiot boyfriend and they st I'll never forget that laugh. <laughs> fuck! Shut up! Go to sleep! What the fuck do you want? So they stayed up till like 2, 2.30 in the morning, and then he finally left. At 2.30 in the morning. What the fuck were they talking about? Sarah said before she left at like 10.30, he was saying things like, you know, we're not supposed to drink milk. You know, no other animal drinks milk after they're a baby but I likes my milk I thought what the fuck what the fuck don't breed these people should be fucking sterilized Hitler had one fucking thing right anyway yeah Tums calcium Tums calcium calcium bad calcium bad calcium creates like a little like little tiny grain and then it's just like a snowball from what I read I'm not a doctor I don't know and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and those little tiny spaghetti-like strands from your kidneys to your bladder. That's, imagine a rock going through that tiny little strand and how much that would fucking hurt. Anyway, no one wants to hear from me. Should we do, should we do a Kendra? Do you want to do a little Kendra? One more Kendra? Okay, one more Kendra and then we'll go. Thanks, Daryl. You're the best. Hey, Sandra, it's Kendra uh, for another segment of Adventures in Adopting. So I think when I last left off, um... The agency had just closed. It was the day the agency closed. <laughs> um, 
What happened after that was I came back from lunch. Um, my boss was on site at the project that we were at. Um, you could tell something was seriously not well for me. Um, so later that evening, I did work the rest of the day, um, kind of just kept to myself. And uh, later that evening, we were staying in the same hotel. So he, we went across the street to the pub and uh, got me to spill what was bothering me. Um, proceeded to tell him about the adoption. He didn't know that information yet. I'd only told close family and my um, references. And uh, I proceeded to get really drunk um, right in front of him. So I uh, don't remember much from that night other than I drank several beers. And I do remember at the end of the night, I asked what time I was to start in the morning. And he basically looked at me and said, you know what, you can be late tomorrow. So I think that was more so that he wanted me to show up not drunk than anything else. But um, either way, that's kind of how the night went. So um, after that, what happened through these Yahoo groups is the families got together and when you screw over like 400 adoptive families, um, you tend to hit up a lot of different people who work in different industries. So we had some incredibly smart people involved um, who were good on business end and new legal stuff and all this sort of thing, um, including some that knew how to work with the media. So this was to our benefit. What they did was they basically came up with a plan as to how we could continue. Um, and the following weekend, we got together in several different cities throughout the country, and they proposed the plan. Now, at these meetings, we'd also invited the media. So the media was not allowed in for the meeting, but they were allowed in for a bit of a debrief, and they were there to interview the families. So um, the fun thing about media is if you give them a story, they will run with it. So they did, and it was awesome. It was in every major newscast across the country for weeks during this. And actually, it still hits the news because um, what happened with the bankruptcy is it actually turned into a fraud investigation. Um, and more on that coming up because that is actually still ongoing. So um, through these meetings, they we brought them to the bankruptcy company and our bankruptcy company happened to be amazing. And I think it was just the person's desk that it um, landed on, but they held a meeting at a hotel in the area and uh, as many creditors as possible were there, other ones, you know, mailed in things and whatever. Anyways, eventually the plan that had been co had come up with um, was voted on that day and uh, from what I understand and from what I've heard, it was the largest bankruptcy of that nature in North America where all of the creditors, which weren't just adoptive families, there was landscapers and contractors and leasing companies and that type of thing in there. Every single person voted to, to give up their money and continue so that the families could be completed. Um, grown men crying in the room. It was, it was a, it was insane um, to watch, and everyone was incredibly happy that you know people would put aside a little bit of money just so that we could continue with the possibility of our dreams. Um, we also uh, at that around that time went to the government because they actually licensed these adoption agencies, and 
basically went and asked for their help. And we brought the media along as well, too, because we didn't want to leave them out. So um, we didn't ask for anything from them. What we asked, we basically came to them and said, you know, we know we're the experts in this field. Um, We're the people in it. We're the people who've done the research. And how can we help? How can we ensure this doesn't happen again? How can we help make sure that this conti- that our adoptions continue? Um, so that kind of puts the government in a position where they can't really say no, because um, that would look pretty shitty on them. The other thing I should explain about these agencies is, to adopt from Ethiopia, you have to have a licensed agency that's licensed in Ethiopia. Um, there are only two in Canada. One happened to be the agency I was working with, and the other one happens to be in Manitoba, I believe. And at this time was no longer taking clients. Um, They were also having some financial difficulties, I believe, or something of that nature. Anyways, you couldn't go with them anymore. There were families waiting through them, but you couldn't sign up with them anymore. Um, If you weren't, a lot of the provinces, you have to work with a provincial agency. So say you were in BC, you'd have to work with a BC agency that would then contract to one of these two agencies who had the license in Ethiopia. So basically, everybody's making money off this deal. Um... So that was also the other reason why keeping this agency alive was so key, because there was nowhere else to go for Ethiopia. Um, We had only these two, and Ethiopia was not going to approve another agency. Um, So we had to keep this license going. Um, We managed to also get um, past staff who not only were assisting the police with the fraud investigation, but had the knowledge and of how things were working to be able to come back on board and run the restructured agency. Um, it was good. They had the trust of the, of the families because they weren't the ones in charge. They were the people that we talked to on a regular basis. Um, and it was such a small, um, a smaller agency than what was before. There was, uh, really only three or four staff members. Um, but at least they knew their stuff and we appreciated that. And uh, everybody was all for them taking that that part over. Um, Anyways, I'm going to leave it there for this segment, and I will continue on the next one. All right, talk to you all later. Thanks. Cool. Thanks, Kendra. God, this is getting intense. I'm on, like, the edge of my seat here. I have one more segment from you, but you know what? I'm I'm saving it. I'm saving it. I need need you to save one of my other shitty shows. This one's pretty shitty, i got to tell you. I'm not really... You know, I'm just me. Oh, am I mumbling? Huh? Have a hard time fucking hearing me? I think I'm overly sensitive. I think it's my period. Maybe I should just not do this show on my period. I'm unclean. I'm really angry. Okay, thanks for joining me. You can find me. If you want to listen, you should listen. I'm not really sure how you're going to be able to listen. But if you look up Lesby Mommy's Radio on, you know, on the internets, on the, on the websies, you can find... Uh, Okay, it's L-E-Z-B, Mommies, Radio. You know, like, let's be, but lesby, you know what I'm saying? I will be on that show uh, 5.30 Pacific Standard Time, maybe? I don't really know what that is, Central Time. But it would be fun if you guys listened and if you wanted to call in and, like, you know, just razz me or ask some questions. We're basically going to talk about my conception and... Maybe my birth story. Because, you know, I'm an expert on lesbian conception. Did I ever tell you about that about me? Did you know that about me? About you and me? No, you didn't, did you? You didn't You, you didn't know that? I'm fucking sick of you. All of you. I'm just, I'm done with this whole fucking thing. And uh, thanks for the iTunes reviews. I got two new ones. Megan. Megan. I know you, Megan. You're, you're adorable.
I think you might be the cutest lesbian I've ever met that I haven't met, but I've seen on Facebook and the like, you know? You're adorable. <sighs> I guess that's it. I don't know. Twitter, Facebook, you find me. I don't really give a shit. I can't live if living is without you. Mm, still got it.